The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Listen, they're all around you, close as a thought or a memory. Messages of Hope. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back for another episode. If you're wondering where I am in the country today, believe it or not, Kentucky. We were headed back to South Carolina, and then Hurricane Sally came along, and we decided we didn't want to get drenched our final couple days of the journey. So Ty's a great weatherman, and he mapped out a course that took us back where we'd come from, 300 miles or so, and just missed all the rain. So today we're just back from a fabulous hike at Cumberland Falls. Anybody that has followed my work knows that waterfalls are my favorite thing in nature, and I'm just all charged up from all those negative ions that are actually a very positive thing. Uh, Talking about energy, today is all about sound therapy, something that fascinates the heck out of me. And why are we talking about it on the Messages of Hope show? Because it's a healing modality. And so many of you listening have had the the passing of a loved one brought you to my work. And we're you know, all about raising our consciousness, getting over grief, getting over any kind of trauma. And sound therapy is an incredible modality. I don't know if we're going to be talking about prana, but uh, prana is another word for the life force energy. I don't know if we we're going to be talking about it in those terms, but I just have to tell you that my husband, Ty, has come so far on his journey thanks to uh, listening to me and the things I talk about. And one day I asked him to help me because I was feeling a, that I needed my prana recharged. And, you know, it was one of the sweetest moments we ever had because he actually did hands-on healing for me just following my instructions. I was so depleted. And I said, honey, thank you for, re- you know, replenishing my prana And he looked at me and he said, you know, honestly, sweetheart, before you asked me to do this, I thought prana was a South American man-eating fish. (laughs) I said, no, dear, that's piranha. But anyway, our guest today is Eileen Day McCusick. She is a pioneering researcher and writer, inventor, practitioner, educator, and speaker in the fields of therapeutic sound, the human biofield, and electric health. We're going to find out what that's all about, but uh, let me just not spend any more time chatting. I want you to hear from Eileen herself. Welcome to the show, Eileen. Thanks so much, Suzanne. Great to be here with you today. Well, 
we're good. we can get into your background because I think it's fascinating. I've read your whole book, and I so identify with your search for deeper truths. Her, uh, those of you listening will be very interested in her book. is called Tuning the Human Biofield, Healing with Vibrational Sound Therapy. Why don't we just jump right back to the beginning, Eileen, and tell us how you got interested in this field. Well... I got interested in the healing arts in general to heal myself. You know, I think a lot of people come to the healing arts because they have something going on with themselves and are looking for solutions that, you know, when you go to a general practitioner, you don't tend to get the satisfaction and solutions you're looking for. My particular woe was that I had an eating disorder. I became bulimic when I was 17. And when I tried to stop, when I was 18, I discovered that I couldn't and discovered this sort of sense of a split personality, um, felt what it felt like to be in the grips of addiction and, um, you know, was pretty determined to find my way out of it. And I started reading self-help books when I was 18 and really took a very deep dive into a lot of books. I'm a, I'm a big reader just by nature and always have been. And spent a few years really trying to understand um, how I ended up so messed up. You know, I sort of woke up when I was 18 in the body of an, of an, like an American teenage girl who was very mentally, emotionally, and energetically disturbed. I, you know, as I think so many people are, you know, it's very hard to be a young person in this culture and not be disturbed, not be negatively impacted by it. And, you know, that was way back in 1985, 86, 87, right? It was a very different world back then. And it's so much harder now, I think, for young people, you know, to emerge from education and all of your peer influence um, as a healthy, whole functioning human being. I know mm-hmm. that I was far from that and and really have been on a lifelong quest to understand and embody physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, you know, which is you know, I have pretty to, radical I have to, thing. I want to jump in right here and say that if I, I usually can read what people listening are thinking, and I know right now they're saying, wait a minute, you, might, you mean we could heal addictions and all these other things with sound therapy? So that's what we're leading up to. So keep going, please. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, Um, we definitely can. You know, addiction, what I discovered about addiction is that it really doesn't have anything to do with the substance. It has to do with the emotions that we're managing with the substance because we've all been raised in a culture that teaches us to suppress our emotions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we end up with anger that we don't know what to do with. And, you know, that's what I discovered uh, with me was that, I, you know, in my early 20s, I, I, you know, after reading all this, you know, self-help books and all this spiritual stuff, I, I was raised in a non-religious home. So I, I went on a deep dive trying to understand religion and really immersed myself in, you know, reading about all the different religions. And I, I was considering myself to be very spiritual and that, that I didn't get angry, you know, that I wasn't angry because I was spiritual. And what mm. I discovered was that I was interpreting anger as a sugar craving. 
And, and actually, the idea that I was getting angry over, like, a boundary violation or, you know, something inappropriate that someone had said or did, um, I, I didn't even feel angry. I just suddenly needed a brownie. <laughs> huh. And, huh. and it took discovering the emotional uh, habits and tendencies and backlog that I had and actually healing those with sound before I was able to heal the addiction. The addiction is just a surface thing. You know, what's really going on is the, is the hurt uh, underneath, you know, the, the upset that we don't, we don't know what to do with. We weren't given a place to put it. So we just stuff it and then we have to manage it because feelings buried alive never die. And the discomfort of all of the emotions that we're harboring and not expressing, which are really like pockets of sound in our body's electrical system, or like burps that haven't happened. And we all know the discomfort of that feeling, you know, when we've got mm. something in us that needs to come out, um, but maybe isn't finding its way. And, um, and so my, my work, uh, I, I actually ended up starting a restaurant <laughs> and, um, you know, being a restaurant, owning a restaurant with a food addiction is not a healthy environment at all. I had actually yeah. figured out how to overcome my bulimia before I started the restaurant. You know, and, and I overcame that by realizing two things. And if anybody is struggling with addiction, you know, hopefully this lands for you. I realized that it was my hand and my mouth. And if I wasn't in control of myself, who was? You know, what was? And I realized that nobody was going to save me or rescue me. You know, that ultimately that the, the power to change my behavior had to come from me and no one else. And that really forced me to take a sense of personal responsibility and knuckle down into a commitment to stop the behavior. And I was able to. And I know a lot of people say bulimia is a really hard one to get over. I, I personally think sugar addiction is the most difficult addiction to overcome beyond heroin, beyond anything, because it's everywhere and it's acceptable. And and it is relentless in its addiction. You know, if you've ever been addicted to sugar and tried to give it up, you know, it, it makes you crazy for days and days. Well, you're, like you're talking to someone who wrote a book called Conquer Your Cravings, so I get all of this. Yeah, you absolutely get all of this. Um, so even though I started the restaurant, you know, and I did manage to stop the purging part, I really couldn't stop the binging. And I really just was living on sugar. I went up to about 170 pounds and um, became really stressed and decided to, that I really needed to be immersed in the healing arts. Like that was really where my calling was. I thought about becoming a naturopath, you know, going to school for naturopathy, but I hadn't gone to college right out of high school. Instead I traveled and then I started this restaurant. So, you know, it felt like 12 years of college or whatever. <laughs> that sounded sound like a bit much. And so I went to massage therapy school. And that was really helpful because working in the restaurant, the restaurant had become very busy and had fried my adrenals and just basically turned me into a piece of broken, burnt toast. <laughs> so oh. going, to, going to massage school helped to resurrect me. And, um, and then I went back to the restaurant after a year of taking a break and learning better self-care and learning better boundaries. And I started a small massage therapy practice on the side. 
but I never really wanted to be a massage therapist. You know, I just figured that it was a good stepping stone in. And I immediately started reading books on the use of um, vibrational medicine, so color, sound, music, in healing. And it really resonated for me. You know, it really uh, made a lot of sense that, you know, if we're on a fundamental level, if everything is just vibration, it's all a unified field of packets of vibrating information, you know, which is what science tells us that it is, that mm-hmm. there's really, everything is vibrating states, really, then treating vibration with vibration just seemed like a very elegant, logical thing to do. And I, I went out and I found, you know, everything I could find, and back in the mid-90s, that wasn't a ton, but then I, I happened to get a Gaia catalog in the mail, and it had a set of tuning forks for healing in it, and you know, since that was my theme at the moment as a researcher, because right, we tend to go down rabbit holes and get interested in things. I imagine mm-hmm. you're the same, <laughs> Suzanne. And yeah. uh, I ordered them, and I started playing with them in my massage therapy practice. I, I had clients that I was, you know, friendly with, and I, I asked them if they wanted to be a guinea pig, and they said sure. And I started experimenting. They were the C major scale, and it came with a little tiny instruction booklet, and it said. You see in the root and D in the second and E in the third and so on. And so I started doing that, just activating the fork and holding it over people and then just listening to the feedback. And I made some really interesting observations right off the bat that I really didn't expect, you know, that were really surprising to encounter. You know, I thought that if you had something like a tuning fork, a tone generator, it's just an acoustic tone generator, you know, especially in the 90s back in Connecticut when I told people that I was using tuning forks for healing, I encountered a very predictable response from mainstream-minded people because there is something about that particular phrase, tuning forks for healing, um, that sounds incredibly woo-woo, you know? <laughs> and and in the beginning, I was telling people that I was, you know, doing... I was doing sound healing, and I was, you know, balancing their chakras, and people are like, sound healing? I've never heard of that. Like, there was a real dismissal uh, that yeah. was uncomfortable to me, quite honestly, because I, I'm a very rational, logical, uh, you know, left-brained person, and mm-hmm. to be perceived as somebody who is airy-fairy, somebody actually said to me oh. once, she said, you know, of all the woo-woo stuff out there, what you do comes across as the most woo-woo. Oh, I don't know. We, I think we could have a competition there because I remember how I felt when I started talking about spirit guides. But it, And now you know that the tuning forks are just an incredible instrument. Yeah, yeah. What, you know what I ended up – I started to tell people that I was a researcher – who had been studying the effects of audible sound on the human body. And huh. that brought very different responses. People were like, oh, you're a scientist. Like, I approve. You know, like, what have you discovered? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and people became more curious about it. But there was, you know, if I said sound healing, if I said tuning forks, people's walls would just go up, you know. And, that, and the fact of the matter is, is that I was discovering really cool things, and I was getting really interesting outcomes, you know, so it was, it was, it was curious, but, but honestly, I was sort of dismayed by public perception and, you know, certainly didn't have any interest in being a healer. You know, I'm not, I'm not, um, one of my girlfriends said to me once, you know, she said, if I was sick, 
I wouldn't call you to bring me chicken soup. <laughs> she, said, she said, I would call you if I wanted to like stay up all night talking about heady stuff. And, um, and, and that's kind of the approach that I, I took with the tuning fork, not really coming in so much as a healer, um, but as, as a scientist, as a person who was curious about the phenomena that I was encountering because well this is what know, I, I love about your work is that and especially reading your book tuning the human biofield you did do this as a researcher but nobody assigned this to you you were having the experiences and then questioned it and then saw the effects and built your own experiential library of how things work right yeah yeah I mean that is kind of what happened I you know I I did it as a hobby for for about 10 years, maybe, you know, one to three people a week, if that, sometimes, you know, not that. And, but I kept coming back to it because it was just so interesting. And, um, but then something happened around 2005 or so that actually shifted gears for me and, and made me commit to this path because I'd been in the restaurant business and then I sold that and I started a specialty food business. And I was, I was doing that. I was in the process of growing. I created a great product and people loved it and it was flying off the shelves. And, you know, that was kind of where I thought my life was going. But then I made the discovery that um, of, of the field around the body. And when I started exploring and working in the atmosphere around the body, you know, up to six feet, sometimes more, but I had limitations of the space that I was in. When I started exploring what we now call the biofield, you can call it the human energy field or the aura, and the teen forks act kind of like sonar. They're, they're a tone generator. And so what I had been doing prior to that is bouncing sound off people and then listening to the pingback, because I thought initially, like, a note of C was going to sound like a C, you know, wherever you put it. It was just going to sort of deliver a tone. But what I discovered was that it seemed to actually engage in a conversation that, you know, we've all had the experience of getting a bad vibe off of somebody, right? The, the, the body gives off vibes and we feel them. Now, they're, they're extremely high frequency, they're extremely low amplitude, you know, certainly don't hear them, although maybe sometimes your heart has been beating so hard, you know, that you think that people near you can, can hear that vibe. Um, but that mm -hmm. certainly plays a role in the vibes that propagate. Everything in our body is in motion. Everything in motion makes waves, and waves propagate from their source. So, and, you know, we all actually have antennas on all of our cell membranes called primary cilium that house these structures called microtubules. And microtubules are antennas that are constantly reading and receiving vibrational information in the environment, as well as transmitting information. And this, this whole transmission of vibration and light is what is really powering our bodies. So these And I have to stop you for a second, because many of the people listening are some of my mediumship students. And I hope when you hear Eileen talking about antennas, you go, whoa, wait a minute, because we as mediums are constantly trying to fine-tune ourselves as an antenna for the information, the radiations given off by those in the spirit world. So this is really relevant to more than just healing. But please continue. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it is, it speaks of the biological mechanism of the fact that you can read those vibes, you know? What I do, waving tuning forks around in the field, you know, what psychics do, reading the vibes, you know, it's all dismissed as paranormal because the mechanism for how it all works isn't explained, nor do they want to explain it. Because, you know, when you really start to get that this is just how we're built and that this is all normal, you can't separate metaphysical and physical. You can't separate normal and paranormal. You can't separate alternative and, and conventional because there's there is a scientific description of the mechanism by which this is occurring. And so what my research has shown is that it is our electrical system in its entirety, okay, which I call, the, you know, the biofield. Sometimes when people talk about the biofield, they talk about it just in terms of the, the magnetic field that surrounds the body. But that's a reductionist perspective because, because the electric current running through the body and the magnetic field around the body are inseparable. You know, they're two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. And what I discovered when I started working in the terrain around the body was that I was actually able through the forks and bouncing sound off like sonar to discover that there was this whole anatomy and physiology present within the biofield. That there was, uh, that what became evident to me over a number of years of exploring this area acoustically was that there was a terrain present that had the same anatomy from person to person. And that it appeared to be where all our memories were stored. So, you know, when we know that uh, we have a nervous system, right, we know our heart is electric, that our brain is electric. A lot of people know their bones are are physioelectric crystalline structures that make electricity. Our blood carries a charge. Our cell membranes need a particular amount of electricity across them in order to function. But what we're missing is the electrical system as a whole. And this is the part of you. This is the life force. This is the prana. This is the electric juice. When you are alive, your light is on. Current is flowing through you. When you're dead, your light goes out. The, the current stops. Your body is still there. What is different? Your electrical system has Let departed. me stop you a your second there. because I got to stop you, Eileen, because as a medium, the physical body stops, but the your whole energy field continues because that's what a medium's tuning into. You want to elaborate on that part of it? Because I think a few yeah. people just went, what? Yeah, so I would say that that our electrical system in its entirety, which comprises the electrical current flowing through the body, the magnetic field around it, and and in this electric structure is where our memories are held. It's like the hard drive of your computer that has recorded every single keystroke, okay? So your memories, and we know, you know, we know that information is stored on standing waves, you know, and your speaker projecting music those waves are carrying the information of that music. Um, so we're told that memories are stored in our brain, but where in nature do we see evidence of fat containing information, right? And the brain is really a, a large part of its fat. Yes, it, it is electric wiring too. But, but I propose that our biofield, our electrical system is what we would call our mind, our conscious and unconscious mind. I would also call it our soul. And that 
you know, if you believe in reincarnation, when the light goes out of the body, remember that you, you can't kill energy. Like, that light has to go somewhere because it, it, it can't be destroyed. You know, and, and you could say, well, maybe it's like a drop, you know, and it goes back into the ocean. It goes back into the sea of all light and all potential. Uh, maybe people reach that stage in the journey. Uh, some people would claim that that drop of light that is you remains individuated and then reincarnates. And I would say that it would reincarnate, if we believed that, um, with the same pattern that it left with. It's, it, with it's patterns pattern of energy that are recognizable as you and me and our loved ones, whether in a body or not. Exactly. And those patterns are our karma. You know, that because we, we ideally want to reach a point in our soul's evolution where, you know, that your soul, what they weigh your heart and it's as light as a feather, right? We want to release our baggage, our heavy load and recognize our enlightenment, which is, you know, and we're all enlightened. I mean, we, to me, our enlightenment is the recognition that we are undying, eternal beings of light and that we are uh, part of the one light. And that, that that is an eternal, you know, that's undying. <laughs> and that that's the part of us that we want to work on. You know, you can work on your physical body all day long, uh, but we can really use sound to work with our soul and to dissolve heavy karmas, to bring ourselves into alignment, uh, to realize our potential. You know, I started looking at it as, as healing like, oh, we have all these wounds and all these burdens that we're carrying around. And, you know, we, we want to heal ourselves. We want to make ourselves whole. We want to restore these broken, missing parts of ourselves. But that's kind of like a glass half empty perspective because yeah, we're already whole. Kind of broken. Yeah, we're already whole. And, and these broken bits um, are really just potential. They're just electric potential. Uh, so, you know, the basic process of biofield tuning as it evolved was moving the fork through the field and discovering areas where it really felt like I was encountering charge, like electric charge, and, um, and discovering that I could move these areas with the tuning fork, that I could actually stick a fork in them and move them like a magnet moves iron filings. And that when I found things in the periphery, these areas of charge, and I brought them back to the midline of the body, people would have the experience of feeling lighter. I need to just whole. interrupt a second and clarify. When you say you stick a tuning fork in it, folks, she's talking about in the energy field. Just like if you were watching, this is just, it would appear that she's doing it in the air, but Eileen actually feels these charges. Um, Eileen, we're going to have to go to a break here in about 20 seconds, so I don't want you to get back into a conversation, but I'd hope that when we come back, you're going to talk more about some examples of healing that you've had and how it really works. So everybody, come back and join us. We're with Eileen Day McCusick, a leader in the field of therapeutic sound healing, biofield tuning, as she calls it. So come on back in three minutes.
We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Well, I hope that you're finding this as interesting as I am. Uh, Jeff, the engineer, I want you to know my husband has popped his head in twice and said that he's not hearing anything. So on the phone, the iPad or the computer. So you might want to check on that. Meanwhile, we're having a great conversation with Eileen McCusick about biofield tuning with tuning forks. So just before the break, Eileen, we were talking about uh real life examples of healing that's taking place. And you mentioned on the break, a great story. Love if you start off the second half by sharing that. Yeah. So, and this is a good kind of classic example of, of how this work can work. So what I discovered, you know, in these many hours of exploring the magnetic field around the body and observing that, People's ailments, you know, people would come in with a sore knee, but then I would discover that it was really related to some kind of emotion that they weren't letting themselves feel or that they were stuck in. And that when we resolved the underlying mental, emotional, energetic problem that was present, when we shone light on it and, and understood it and shifted the energy, because Whenever there is a pathology in the physiology, there is some kind of underlying imbalance in the electrical system. And the electrical system is primary. So because it's the blueprint, it's the information field. And so when we shift the electrical system and get the noise and resistance out of it and we bring it into order, it very often involves the release of some kind of emotion that, that was stuck. Mm. I say one of the biggest things I treat is emotional constipation where people just are not releasing these and it, and it creates tension and resistance and inflammation and then disease. Mm. Ideally, you know, health is a state of flow. When we're in a state of flow and we're not resisting ourselves, you know, who we really are. So I recently met a woman at, uh, in a networking group that I belong to, and we meet in different places around the world every uh, twice a year, although not in 2020. Uh, and she was telling me a story about how she had her health had been going further and further downhill, and she had been doing all the right things. You know, she was uh, eating really clean, she was drinking celery juice, she was getting acupuncture and other body work. She was speaking to a counselor. She thought she was doing all the right things. She was taking expensive supplements, and she still felt lousy. She had no energy. She had uh, pain, like a fibromyalgia kind of pain, and really no get up and go and no drive. And she ended up connecting with one of my certified practitioners, and we have certified practitioners all over the world now, and receiving, I think, about six sessions. And she said... What she discovered was that her problem was emotional, that she had been taught very well, she's a very attractive woman, to be nice, to be good, to be a people pleaser, you know, to make everybody else happy. And she had mm-hmm. spent her whole life 
putting her own emotions aside, stuffing them. You know, she was kind of had been a super achiever, so she was always busy. If you're busy and in emotion, you end up sort of staying out in front of that kind of discomfort. And as soon as she started to release and deal with this backlog of old emotions, she her energy level started to go up and up. And now, you know, she has become much more influential in the world, in the work with her nonprofit and the way that she's making an impact. She works with young women, empowering young women. And she wasn't able to be as influential as she wanted to be because her voltage was low. Her, her electric health was suffering due to all of this restriction of the flow. And when the flow got restarted and the emotions got digested and released and integrated, she was able to access her potential and become more influential in a very positive way in the world. So that's just one example, you know, of how, but I've also seen it work on all kinds of things. I worked with this really interesting character who'd been in many different death-defying accidents, like crazy stuff, like being in a, in a backhoe that tumbled down a mountain, (laughs) really crazy, crazy accident. And he was, it was probably 60, 62, and he had pain all over his body from scar tissue and all kinds of things. And I worked with him. I worked with him weekly for a while, and every session I did with him, uh uh-oh. Okay, I'm back. Oh, I didn't know you were gone. Yeah, yeah, just dropped the line. So you keep talking, Eileen, you're doing great. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So every session that I worked with him, I would discover another layer, another accident, another injury. And it's almost like pulling dents because every physical input that we have, you know, does some kind of damage to our bodies, to our fields, to our minds, to our spirits. And many people are just like instruments that are really out of tune or cars that are really out of tune. And this way of using tune forks to find the noise and the resistance in the electrical system and resolve it at that level actually has an incredibly rejuvenating, almost anti-aging effect. I I can say for myself personally. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would love if you would, most people are not familiar with how one uses tuning forks, especially in your system, which proprietary system called biofield tuning. Just walk us briefly through, if you, if the people listening were one of your clients, how would they be treated? What would they experience? Good question. Well, if we were to do one tomorrow, we would do it at a distance because we, you know, we're not really seeing in-person clients in many places right now. As odd as it sounds that tuning forks could work at a distance, they can. And I was extremely skeptical. People asked me for years if I would do it at a distance. And I said, no. What a dumb question. (laughs) This is tuning forks on the body. Like, of course I can do it at a distance. I thought that it was preposterous to even propose such a thing. But then I have a friend who is an MD. And he was living in California, and I was in Vermont at the time. And he twisted my arm, 
and got me to experiment and try one with them. And I like experimenting. I am a scientist. One of my favorite things to do is, you know, let's try this and see what happens. So that's how I figured out the tuning forks. I'm completely self-taught with them because I'm not afraid to experiment like many people seem to be. And so I did this experiment, and we had no open line of communication. We weren't on the phone. I just pretended that he was lying down on my table and I approached the empty table as if I would approach it if somebody was there. And the way that I do that is I begin with the chain fork about six feet away from the body and I activate it and I move the vibrating tuning fork slowly in towards the body. What I've discovered is that the field appears to be almost like an album and putting a tuning fork into the field is almost like dropping a needle on an album and reading the vibrational record of someone's life. Because every emotion that we feel is a particular frequency signature. And this is part of my research is identifying that the frequency signature of sadness, of, of fear, of alarm, of depression, they all have particular sounds, and they're very evocative of how music sounds. Music seeks to duplicate this fundamental language of nature that animals and plants and humans, we all share this common vibrational language. We all feel the same way when we feel fear, and, and that produces the same kind of vibration. So dogs don't just smell fear. They, through their own micro, microtubules, feel the vibration of fear coming off of people. You know, animals so let are me ask you, if you so you're that. moving this tuning fork into this person's field, even if they're not present. And I know this is possible because everything is holographic. But do that's you right. hear the sound and you say, oh, that's fear or that's sadness? Do you feel it? Do you just know it or what? All, all of the above. All of the mm-hmm. above. I hear it because you can hear the changes in the fork. There, there's, wow. a, there's a very simple um, basic language that students learn uh, right away or, you know, in a short amount of time when it's pointed out to them, but in a specific anatomy. So, for example, every time we generate the frequency of sadness, and there are many iterations of sadness, you know, there's melancholy and there's grief and there's loneliness. Like there, there's, Sadness has many different nuances, but the sort of general tone of sadness is identifiable in the same way that if you and I were listening to a piece of music together, I wouldn't need to tell you that it was sad. You would just feel it. And so that's how I actually mapped the field and discovered that specific emotional experiences get laid down in different parts of our field. Every time we feel sad, we are recording that specifically off the left shoulder. But remembering, too, that the whole field is holographic and every zone contains the information of the whole. Anger is accumulated. It is uh, recorded on the right side of the solar plexus, which aligns with Chinese medicine and the recognition that anger affects and builds up within the liver. And, yes, you can hear it. And sometimes it's incredibly distinct. Alarm. If somebody was in a sudden accident, uh, and you find the record of that in their field, the tuning fork will take on a very high pitch, like that feeling of alarm, ah, and it gets reflected wow. because the memory is magnetically stored in standing waves of information. It is a pattern. And, you know, and this is what this everything. is so fascinating to me because as a medium, I, w- I can pick out all of these emotions stored in a person's field. So, 
before we run out of time, so you encounter something uh, that's not in alignment with balance and wholeness in someone's field. How do you treat that? How does healing take place? Initially, the tuning fork will resonate with the pattern that is present. And it gives us information about what the memory contains. When the body hears its own dissonance, it immediately gets to work at auto-tuning. It is, the body is designed to fix itself. It fixes itself if you have a nutritional deficiency of some kind and you begin to eat food that is rich in that, in that part of nutrition, it will, your body will heal. If you are tonally deficient, if you are uh, deficient in harmony, when your body is given the input of harmony, it will use that harmony to tune itself. So the tuning fork will initially resonate with the memory, but then because it's producing an orderly, coherent vibration, it will entrain the body into a coherent vibration. The body will, it's almost responding to a metronome and getting itself in rhythm or looking in the mirror and seeing you have spinach in your teeth and taking it out. The body is designed to be in harmony and in tune. And when it has this very specific feedback, from this very specific memory, it can tune itself very specifically. And so the more we get tuned, the more these sort of traumatic and difficult experiences from our lives that created bad inputs, stressful responses, you know, poor health, uh, those can start to be ironed out and cleared up and order can be brought to the chaos that was there. And that's how it becomes sort of anti-aging is that it's really a process of backing out all of these stressors out of the system and bringing us back into tune. So the body and the tuning fork really do the work. The practitioner serves as a witness, you know, to, to know like, wow, I've hit a spot of turbulence here. I'm going to hang out and I'm going to let the body do its thing. And then once that noise has resolved and that resistance has given way, I'm going to keep on moving in towards the body until I hit another invisible zone of chaos. And then I'm going to hang out again and support the body in sorting out that zone and bringing order to itself. And so in each session, we work with a layer of, you know, whatever's going on. Sometimes it can be very dramatic. I've worked with people, I worked with a gentleman once who had a massive anxiety disorder, having massive panic attacks every time he had to drive and he had to drive for work. <clears throat> and he was very skeptical, but his wife dragged him in. He didn't believe in it. And, uh, and at, what I discovered was that his whole electric system was kind of off its rocker. He had developed this um, vibration. You know when your washing machine goes out of whack oh, and you yeah. have to balance it? Yeah, that was what was going on in his field. And I was able to feel it and adjust it and straighten it out. And when he came back the next week, he said, I can't believe it. He said, I had to drive the next day and I had no anxiety at all. None. Wow. Completely gone. I feel fine. Wow. Yeah. So it can be that dramatic. I've had miracles. people. Yeah. A miracle, right? I've had people with pain they've had for 30 years gone in one session. So, you know, sometimes it can be extremely dramatic. Sometimes it's more subtle. Uh, and obviously it doesn't work for everything, but for the most part, as far as liberating us to our own 
human potential and freeing us up from these places where our electrical system is stuck in these eddies that we can't seem to do anything about. You know, we find ourselves like, I'm not going to eat sugar. And then there you find yourself with your hand in the donut box, you know, because your body just keeps going through these particular patterns. When we interrupt the patterns, when we deal with the emotions that are under those patterns or that gave rise to those patterns, we suddenly have the opportunity to respond to life from a larger set of potential than react out of our normal habits. And that's really what, like the biggest thing that I think people struggle with is that equation right there. And this is a way to get in and work in the, the subconscious mind with the electrical wiring and support you in getting ironed and straightened out so that you can access that potential and like that woman that I told you about and go out and have more influence in the world and help more, yeah. you know, be more, do more. I, yeah. I'm I'm a total believer in this. I've just recently started using sound to uh, on a daily basis and I was I diagnosed with arthritis in my big toes. It was painful to walk. I said, I'm too young to not be able to walk and go hiking. And with the, the daily sound, no pills, it's gone. The pain is completely gone. And so from what I hear you saying, Eileen, people could truly hope to get off medication or not use medication at all just by bringing their body into balance, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the body is designed to fix itself. And the only reason it doesn't is because there's stuff in the way, you know, which is usually resistance in the field. We're resisting ourselves in some way. We're resisting speaking our truth. We're resisting letting in God because we don't feel worthy. We're resisting our emotions because we weren't allowed to express them. We're resisting our true desires of who we really are. We're resisting our natural inclinations because school taught us that over and over and over again. At the point you come out of school, you're like, what kind of ice cream? You're like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like. I don't know what my natural inclinations are. I've been turned into a cog. And it's a lot of work to back all that out and bring ourselves into our own authentic whole place. And into alignment what, like, with your, your natural light. Do people need yeah. to believe this is going to work for it to work? Well, yes and no. I mean, I didn't believe that a, that a distance session was possible, uh, but I did it. I was able to read the field. I was able to, on, you know, I, in that particular first distance session I did, I took notes about different ages, different organs, different areas of inflammation, head injury at five, just all the things that I learned, you know, read the whole record of the person's life. I learned how to decode all the vibrational language and what it means. And others learn this too. It's not, I don't have any special powers. It's a language. And the more you're exposed to it, the more you come to understand it. Um, and I love that it's predictable. Afterwards. And I love how you've mapped this out, re replicable on Multiple totally people, this is where this is stored, this is where that's stored. Yeah, it's, it's completely radical, and people learn, learn the method very easily. That, you know, we, the hypothesis of biofield tuning and biofield tuning in a distance has been tested probably millions of times. We have thousands of students and practitioners around the world. I've been doing it for 23 years. It's been tested over and over. It always yields the same results. People feel lighter. They feel clearer, they feel brighter, they feel more whole, they feel more like themselves, they start managing their life in different ways. It's always, it's always the same outcome and people become more free. 
And we've been talking about people, Eileen, but I read your book and I've I've watched a few of your classes. I have one of your tuning forks in my hand right now. And I have to tell you, my dog, Rudy, loves it. I've used it on him and it relaxes him. He's had his own health challenges. I'm not a practitioner by any means. But at first he was like, what's that? And then he just kind of goes, ah, do you have any story you could share with us about pets and biofield tuning? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I have we're actually putting out a book on it because we have so many stories. And when it comes to pets and consistent reports with pets, you cannot lump it into placebo. You just can't. This is physics. This is resonance and entrainment. It's a very physical, uh, measurable process that is happening. And many, many animals love the sonic spider. Some don't, some run away, but many love it. People report it helps the pets arthritis, that it makes them more personable. I actually conduct these group distance sessions that people listen to, and I've heard incredible stories about pets that have been in the room uh, and benefited. This one series that I did on healing our relationship with food and our bodies called Food, Your Body, and Your Biofield, and this particular cat had been starved early on and was very sketchy around food and very sketchy around people, and after it listened to this particular module in the series of me conducting a distance group biofield tuning session, the cat's behavior completely changed. So, Whoa. and we've, that's just one of many, many stories about pets and, and this work. So, you know, it, our bodies are vibrational and you shift up the vibe with a coherent input and the body becomes more coherent. It's not woo-woo at all. It's just physics. Yeah. Is there a spiritual component to this besides what we've talked about already? Well, if you think about the electrical body as our soul, I would say absolutely. Uh, There's a very big spiritual component to it. I think for me, in my journey as a seeker, I couldn't reconcile what science was telling me about the nature of reality with what spirituality was telling me about the nature of reality. So, you know, spirituality said all is one and science is like, we can't reconcile anything and everything is uh, separate. You know, the billiard ball world is what most of us are educated into, the world of particles and separation. And how, how do you unify those two different stories, the right brain, the left brain, the, the, you know, the spiritual, the secular, I couldn't. And then, and then I discovered electric universe theory. I discovered that my body is electric. I discovered the electrical system of the human body and discovered that the light, the same light that illuminates my electrical body is the same light that illuminates the sun, the stars, everything in creation is electric. It is all one light. And yes. our, our soul, our electric body cannot be destroyed. Our, our one light within us, you know, the, the drop of the ocean that we are, right? But the ocean is also in the drop because it's all holographic. And so yes. that coming back to enlightenment is recognizing that we are the one light. We are, you know, connected to God, to, to source through our electrical bodies. You know, science has been telling us we don't have souls. They've also not been telling us that we have an electrical system or a magnetic field. We've been lied to to be disempowered and to keep spirituality as something separate from science. But I've, those are just words. There is no separation at all. There is the nature of reality, the nature of this plane that we look at through different lenses and we can call it science or we can call it spirituality. But fundamentally what is going on 
it is we are electric illuminated beings. We are enlightened. We are connected and we are whole already. That's the truth. I love it. I love it. And I love that you have another book coming out. Is it it's still coming out in January? Yep. January of 2021. Yeah. yeah. Electric body, electric health. I love that St. Martin's Press is doing it. So you're, you know, got the credibility there. And I hope that people will run out and learn more about this. How about PTSD? Have you had any success stories with healing that? Absolutely. Lots of success stories with PTSD. We don't work with people who are severe anything. We, you know, it's beyond our wheelhouse and our training to deal with severe cases of anything. But mild to moderate, absolutely. I mean, we all have PTSD. You know, we all do. We all have trauma to varying degrees. And it's a place in our electrical system where... She dropped, oh my goodness, right when I want to hear more. All right, oh my goodness. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed hearing what Eileen had to say as much as I did. I thought my dog stepped on the keyboard, Jeff. (laughs) That wouldn't be the first time. But listen, everybody, check out Eileen's website, biofieldtuning.com. I know that you can find there a practitioner. I know that so many of you listening are saying, whoa, where can I get one of those treatments? And, uh, I know she's the real deal. Read her book, plenty of stories. She is a faculty member with the Shift Network like I am, and I've watched her classes. She does healing sessions quite often that that work for groups. So check out her book, Tuning the Human Biofield, Healing with Vibrational Sound Therapy. It's a whole new field that people are really giving credence to and with good reason. I mean, the evidence speaks for itself. So hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. I'm going to sit here with my sonic slider that's one of Eileen's inventions. I'm going to use it on Rudy and Nellie. (laughs) And hopefully you will have good success with it as well. I hope you'll come back and join me next week. I always love talking with all of you. I'll be home in South Carolina later this week and look forward to coming to you live from there next week. Y'all take care. Love to everybody. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.